Hi, I'm Tiffany Minton, and this is my fantasy funeral. Imagine you are dead, but you get to design your own funeral. What songs will be played? Who will deliver your eulogy? And where will your remains rest forevermore? This is the scenario presented to my guest today. I'm Ryan Briegel, and you're listening to my fantasy funeral. My guest today is a drummer and social activist who turned her love of 1960s girl groups and her desire to promote the talents of Nashville women into an annual event. Over the years, she has played drums for many groups, such as Heavy Cream and the band that backs singer Adia Victoria. But in 2014, she had a dream of playing in a band that would pay tribute to the songs of the Brill-building songwriters, the early girl groups, and the 1960s Motown era. That dream became a yearly benefit concert called She's a Rebel. The premise was simple. From the wide array of vocalists and musicians to the photographers and sound engineers, everyone involved identifies as a woman. But from a simple premise arose a larger question. Could this model work for Nashville's music scene overall? Having just completed their fifth annual performance, continuing to play to packed houses as the venues get larger and larger each year, She's a Rebel has stuck to its original aim, quote, fostering a community of women in Nashville that's diverse, interesting, collaborative, and thoughtful. Words spoken by my guest. She is Tiffany Minton. Tiffany, hello and welcome. Hi. Because quite a few of the songs from the girl group era end in tragedy, I'm thinking of Two songs uh, by the Shangri-Las, for instance, Leader of the Pack and I Can Never Go Home Anymore. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on popular music dealing with the subject of death? I mean, I think dealing with death as I've become an adult, I see how important it is to treat it with honesty and dignity. And I think we need to deal with the subject by constantly talking about it in a way that's productive and sort of demystifies the inevitable. It's a thing that we're all going to face and how we face death becomes increasingly more important as we age if we're lucky. But I think especially for younger people because really it could happen at any time and we need to be reckoning with it with some sort of truth and dignity. Yeah. So it might be nice if pop music took on that topic. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's the, the responsibility is on artists to reflect the human condition appropriately. And I think that, you know, death of course is one of the largest things that we all face. We should talk about it. Yeah. Tiffany, today we are going to kill you off and take a look (laughs) at the funeral you would plan for yourself. Yes. But you get to choose the songs that will be played during your funeral, and you have come up with two scenarios. One is that if your girlfriend, Christine, happens to leave us before you do, you chose to begin with what two songs? Um, All I Want by Joni Mitchell and Roger Miller Reincarnation. Joni Mitchell, because I think it's a perfect way of expressing um, the relationship we have together and how I feel about her. And then Roger Miller reincarnation, because I think it's a beautiful tribute to imagining how you might meet another person in another life. And he's so great with words. He's so good at balancing uh, sadness with humor 
And it's a sad thing to imagine that the person you love leaves you first, but uh, what a wonderful thing to think about all the lovely ways you could come back and meet each other again. Very nice. But we are going to proceed with the scenario that she is still alive (laughs) and that she is present at this funeral. What, in that case, would be the first song you've chosen? Um, Then we'll do Cole Porter, You're the Top, and Mama Cass's Make Your Own Kind of Music because You're the Top is also a great balanced tribute of humor and seriousness. It's a great way to um, tell a person how you feel that they are the most unique and wonderful human being you've ever met. And also make your own kind of music makes me think about the wonderful things that I love about Christine and how she is uh, one of the most unique and smart and wonderful people that I've met. So I would, if she were still alive, I would want at my funeral her to know, you know, how I felt about her and what I think is most wonderful about her. You're the Nile. You're the Tower of Pisa. You're the smile of the Mona Lisa. I'm a worthless check. A total wreck of flop But if baby I'm the bottom You're the top Nobody can tell you There's only one song worth singing They may try and sell you Cause it hangs them up To see someone Mama Cass Elliot and Make Your Own Kind of Music. Tiffany, you grew up in North Carolina. That's what correct. city did you live in? A uh, city is being uh, very generous. It's called Boone, North Carolina. It's in western Appalachia, sort of at the northern, most western point of North Carolina. And there's a state university there, but I think the population, the whole county was maybe 20,000 or something like that when I was growing up, and maybe... 12,000 for the students. So it was a pretty small town. What was your childhood like in Boone? What was my childhood like? I spent a lot of time in the woods and I spent a lot of time um, listening to music and kind of escaping into music. I spent a lot of time um, sort of living in a fantasy world, I think. And I mean, I, I, yeah, as I, got older as a child I think I just spent a lot of time in my head and fantasizing and listening to music and drawing and painting and trying to be creative and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents both of my grandmothers taught me a lot about you know life and uh, curiosity and the importance of you know dreaming big and working hard and doing simple pleasurable things like cooking for yourself and cooking for other people and so, yeah, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents in my own imagination and just kind of being a little goofy kid. Would this have been around the time that you remember first hearing the music of 
the 1960s girl groups. Do you yeah, think? totally. My mom was a huge musical influence on me. She has great taste and she was, you know, she played music growing up. And she was a professional dancer, so that was how she expressed her creativity. But yeah, my mom was the one who introduced me to all of that. She was a huge Motown soul music fan, pop music. She got me into Prince, Cyndi Lauper, the Go-Go's when I was a kid. She's the one who encouraged me to pick up the drums and play. And she just always thought it was important to be thinking and being curious about how to express yourself creatively. So yeah, my mom was a huge influence on the musical part of my life. And when did you start the drums? In high school? Around. Yeah, but a senior in high school. I was actually kind of shy coming up through middle school and high school. I was sort of a cut up at school, but in my personal life, I was pretty independent and shy and spent a lot of time with myself. So I imagined and fantasized about playing the drums, but I didn't know anyone who was interested in rock and roll when I was a teenager. So one day I just sort of decided I got brave enough and thought, like, I'm going to save up my money and I'm going to buy this drum set. And I'm just going to figure it out. And when I get to college, that's when I'll find my people. And that's when I'll try to, you know, be in a band. So, I mean, yeah, I was 16 when I got a drum set and just taught myself how to do it. You are now very vocal about queer representation. Were you outspoken like that when you were that young? No, I I mean, I think I always have had opinions about things. And in high school, it was a lot about, uh, I grew up in a pretty strict Christian home. Um, so I was still kind of trying to understand uh, my identity separate from my rearing. You know, I think I knew I was a queer person, a lesbian person at a young age, but it didn't all really come together until I got a little bit older and had some space to really... Uh, think about the kind of life that I wanted to live. So that all kind of came to fruition when I moved away from home. And you went to Belmont. I did, correct? yeah. Was that a good place for the yes. opening of that part of your life? Yes, it was, because um, when I landed in Nashville, I knew the kind of life that I wanted to live, and I knew I wanted to come out, and I knew I wanted to, um, yeah, just I was ready to make my own path, and I knew that pretty quickly. And Belmont was great for that because Belmont was in transition of, you know, detaching from the Southern Baptist Convention. The school was pretty conservative at the time. And I was a sociology student and I was ready to take it on and I had the energy. So, I, you know, I brought the first group of queer activists to campus to talk about HIV and living with HIV and the different uh, methods at the time for testing. Had the first HIV testing at Belmont at that event and yeah I was always glad to suck the air out of the room as soon as I was ready to live my life and explore my own truths and challenge people on theirs I was doing it and Belmont was great for that because I had a lot of support from the people around me my friends were pretty radical and it was a fertile ground for being for testing all of those values and ideas about conservative Christianity but you clearly have a knack for getting people involved as we talk about she's mm-hmm. a rebel when what was your original vision for that when you and your fellow founders first conceived of the idea of having this tribute show it was pretty modest at first it was a meeting of the minds at fanny's house of music it was i had always thought about how cool it would be to play this music with a bunch of women instead of just the women singing it and I ran into Jesse Zazu and Nikki, her bandmate at the time, Nikki Kavarnas. They were both in those darlings. 
And we just all started talking about it. And they're like, oh, we're covering a girl group song in our set now. We should we should do this show. Let's just do it. And the idea was just to get women in a room making music together and just do some covers. And then it quickly revealed itself as an opportunity to create a space that meant a little bit more than that. Because we kept hearing like, oh, I've never met this woman before. I didn't even know she was doing this. I didn't know that. And so all we had to do was just make the space. And then we realized women wanted to meet each other. They wanted to work together and started out as just an idea to do a cover show. And then it made sense to become something else. And the first performance was in 2015 at a relatively small Nashville (laughs) venue called Mercy Lounge. Yeah. And it sold out. It did, and we were shocked, actually. I guess we shouldn't have been, but we thought, wow, people really do love this music. We, you know, we thought we were, we just thought that what we were doing was super cool and interesting, but we didn't think necessarily that it would get such an immediately great response. And like I said, maybe we were just not thinking uh, large enough or whatever. We were being too modest. But yeah, as soon as, the concept started happening and we started doing the rehearsals. We were like, this is something special and people are going to like it. And and yeah, and then five years later, we're still doing it. Each year, it seems that it grows out of its previous venue nearly and you mm-hmm. have to move to larger rooms or spread them out over two nights. Yeah. The fourth year in 2018, it was held on two nights mm-hmm. in a row at 3rd and Lindsley. And that was the first She's a Rebel you played without Jesse Zazu yeah. that you mentioned. Um, from those darlings. She tragically died of cancer mm-hmm. the year before in 2017. You had obviously been processing her death for months leading up to that show. Yeah. And I imagine she was on your mind so much during those performances especially. Did her absence affect you in any specific way that you can remember on one of those nights? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, going into it, I just, it was bittersweet because we all knew that this was a thing that she had dreamed up with us. And it was the first time we were going to do it without her. So the only way that we could make sense of that was to make sure that she was represented somehow. And so we, you know, pulled footage and um, stuff from prior year shows and tried to, you know, start the show out with a tribute to her and just let people know that she's still part of this. And I we still, when we're planning, we think about her voice and what she would want. And she and I talked a lot about what those things are anyway, so I think we're all still on the same page. But, yeah, it was super hard to get up there and your friend not be there. And the year before, she had given a really moving performance, but, you know, it was tough to, like, know that that was going to perhaps be the last time that we did this together the year before. So going forward, we just think about always having her memory as part of it because she is as much... A founder of it as we are and she's 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 always going to be part of it your third song choice is a song by jesse zazu can you tell me something about this song yeah this song is um it's unreleased and it's a song that she did with her friend and longtime collaborator and former bandmate linwood um and it was played at her memorial when she passed and um I just thought it was a super powerful song. I remember being out on the road um, with Adia Victoria and she had been working on these songs and she just said like, hey, I've got some things that I'm working on that are super different. Would you listen to them and let me know what you think? And this was the song out of the group that she sent where I thought, wow, this is probably one of the best things you've ever written. And the two of them collaborating 
and Linwood being such a part of it too. It, it was just a really powerful song, and I thought that she um, was trying to tell all of us something really special with this song. Um, the refrain in it, keep on looking for the thing you never saw. I just think that's such a beautiful sentiment to leave with the world. Zazu and Linwood Regensburg playing Jesse's song Safe Place to Stay. Tiffany, when people speak of the girl groups, especially groups like the Ronettes and the Crystals, one name is brought up again and again, and that is Phil Spector. Oh, yes. Over the years, we know it has come to light just how poorly he treated the performers, how abusive he was to his wife, Ronnie. Mm-hmm. And then there is his recent murder conviction. Yeah. Do you feel that the message of the songs and the new life that the She's a Rebel performers give the songs each year can transcend the horrible history that often lies behind those songs? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, The problem is that this music is so framed around the men who are a part of it and the women are just seen as accessories to the music. Um, and so one of the points of the show is to reframe it as not just producer's music. This isn't just the genius of Phil Spector. This is the genius of Darling Love. This is the genius of Cher when she was an amateur and was just getting her start. Like This is music that was for young girls and it spoke to their experiences. And this was the first time that these women, especially women of color, were huge stars in America and it transformed the way that we saw women in popular culture and so yeah I think their story exists apart from him and hopefully the show being performed and produced solely by women is an extension of that legacy in a way that we now see over the generations that women have taken up more space because they've been inspired by other women because they've learned from them and we're at a place in our culture now where there's no reason that there shouldn't be, a, I mean, other than a lack of, um, I think, purpose to do so. There's really no reason why women can't occupy 100% of these spaces in the way that men have for centuries. So, yeah, like that is the story of She's a Rebel and that is the story that we're trying to tell people. 
And is the is your ultimate goal really to see more representation of women, especially women of color, in Nashville music on the whole? Like, see that it could be done this way. Yeah. Let's bring this into everyday music industry. Yeah, I mean, I think the statement that we're trying to make is just um, about uh, intentionality in representation, which is that if you intend to work with women and you intend to um, provide the spaces for them to exist or you create your own spaces, if you intend for there to be more true diversity and more spaces for women, it's easy to make that happen. You just have to intend for it because we're all out here working and we're all out here doing these things already. And so just like there can be an all-male Supreme Court, there can be you know, an entire show of women artists and creators because we are doing the work. The problem is that when we are not invited into those spaces, we remain in the margins. So this is just about setting an example of intentionality and bringing women of color and their voices to the center of um, the production of music and how it's done. And this is about fostering a space where women can meet each other and work together because so often we're siloed into our own spaces where we are the only ones in a group of men or we're one of very few and this is just saying like hey all you have to do is intend to make it happen and it can and it will be excellent the proceeds of the shows have benefited southern girls rock camp and also the national museum of african-american music which is scheduled to open in nashville later this year i believe how excited but also surprised (laughs) were you that nashville will be the home of this museum (laughs) how um very on both ends um yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I shouldn't be surprised about the lack of things that are represented, but I'm super excited for Nashville because we are such a center of the story of African-American music and history. I mean, the Fisk Jubilee Singers are quintessentially America's first pop group. Hmm. You know, they were making music for the Queen of England, you know, shortly after the Civil War. I mean, and they were huge stars. I mean... So Nashville deserves the opportunity to tell that story in a way that's, uh, you know, beautiful and thoughtful. I just think it's really great. I mean, I I just love that Nashville is going to get to be that place. It feels really special, and I'm really proud of our city, and I'm super excited to see what they're going to do. And this is, you know, the story of American popular music is the story of the African-American experience. You can't separate the two. We owe a huge debt in our society to the genius and the work of African-Americans. And it, yeah, it's really exciting that our city gets to be part of telling that story the way it needs to be told. Tell me about your fourth song choice for your fantasy funeral. At my funeral, I would want people to feel inspired in death and inspired by death that, you know, death is not, the end of anything it's really the opportunity for something else so when a person leaves your life they leave you with the experiences you had with them and so um yeah i love patty smith i love her music and i love this song because it's a really uh great reminder that human beings leave you with a legacy and it's a rare opportunity to be part of people other people's lives you know we're just a blip in this universe and so You know, your life is special and important. What you do with it is important. So I would want people to leave a funeral 
of mine with the idea that there's still hope and work to be done. I was dreaming, in my dreaming Smith and People Have the Power from her album, The Dream of Life. Tiffany, you have recently begun a journey into academia. That's right. You are studying to be, if I get this right, a scholar of popular music history. Yes. The official title of a degree is called Public History, um, which is just a a part of historical scholarship that evolved. in the 60s out of a need to make history relevant and front-facing to the public in a way that you can help people tell their histories rather than giving a bland description of how history happened. This is an opportunity to frame the historical process in a way that's meaningful for the community and communities that you work in. Um, The story of women and how women have been part of popular music is important to me, so I hope to uh, put all of these experiences and loves and passions in one uh, one mental place, in one discipline, and hopefully can start a new chapter, a new meaningful chapter that is engaged with the world differently. Before we hear your next song choice, have you thought about the person or people you would choose to deliver your eulogy? Yeah, so I think in a dream scenario, RuPaul Charles would deliver my eulogy just because um, what an amazing experience that would be. I mean, he knows nothing about me, but uh, I think he would be a great pastor of the faith of queer uh, life and identity. Um, Plus, he's like Ellen DeGeneres. You know, everyone likes him. So he would be a grand unifier. So, yeah, I think um, the category is... Lesbian, feminist, separatist, atheist on the runway. So he would need to dress up as like Eileen Miles meets Audre Lorde meets Andrea Dworkin. And he would have to do his drag like, you know, like a an angry lesbian. And that would be my fantasy. <laughs> um, I think in another fantasy, probably um, less realistic, but also equally interesting, would be to have my friend Jesse Zazu deliver my eulogy because I had the great fortune of doing it at her memorial, and I like to sort of imagine in the scenario that it worked out differently, and she got to do it for me, and it, and that would be cool to me also. Is there something special you would have her read that you would um, like to read for us? Yeah, there's a really great poem um, by a woman named Mary Oliver called Don't Hesitate, and I think it's a really good secular way of thinking about the world. Um, and if you want, I'll read it. I would love for you to read this. Okay. This is Mary Oliver's Don't Hesitate. 
If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not very often kind, and much can never be redeemed. Still, life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is its way of fighting back, that sometimes something happens better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything, but very likely you notice it in the instant when love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. Tiffany, we've come to your fifth funeral song. What is it? Um, It is Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush doing a duet on a song that's called Don't Give Up. First of all, I love Kate Bush. She's one of my favorite artists of all time. And also Peter Gabriel. And I just think this is a beautiful song that provides hope in a dark time. And I think their performance of it is extremely intimate and beautiful. Yeah, as a person who's struggled with remaining in joy fruitfully, I have experienced a life where I often look at the dark side of things as someone who struggles with deep depression and all of that. So I think it's it's good to remind yourself that there are things worth living for and things worth pursuing and that though the world can be a complete horror show, there's also these like beautiful, wonderful instances of extreme... Uh, purpose and fulfillment and that is what life is really made of is how you live in spite of how horrible things could can be but in equal amounts there's beauty and joy if you're looking for it and you can enjoy it for what it is Gabriel singing Don't Give Up from his album So. Tiffany Minton's final fantasy song choice, almost. Tiffany, you chose an additional song, and that is technically against the rules, but your reasoning (laughs) behind it is so incredible that I will allow it. And we will hear that song in just a moment, but you do have a wish for where your body might end up. Yeah, so my wish has always been to be donated to science. Specifically within that is I would want my body donated to like a forensic anthropology lab. So we have one in Tennessee. It's in Knoxville. They call it the the body farm. But I have these great memories of when my mom went back to school for anthropology and archaeology. And she, this is like 1993, and I used to sit in the corner in her classrooms silently like sketching or whatever, writing. And there were these little aquariums of like, decomposing creatures and they were they were studying how these creatures sort of 
went back to the earth essentially and what they were composed of and what that meant about life and I always it I mean of course it's sort of gruesome and the smell was something to behold but I have such a strong memory about how important that was and I just think as someone who I don't think perhaps that there's an afterlife or any of that so I think that this life is super important and how cool would that be for someone to have learned from whatever they can about how my life happened and what that might mean for other people's lives and I just think the human body is fascinating and also it just like pleases me to think that someone's like having to like dig around my dig up my bones <laughs> after I'm dead I think is actually a pretty cool thing and now tell me about this final song this and final your, song your vision for it okay this final song is by um Chris Williamson she was a lesbian songwriter and um she came up through the women's activist movement in the 60s and 70s and her song is called song of the soul and in my fantasy funeral this is the song that everyone sings as we're leaving right before we leave and um this fantasy is all of my conservative christian family singing along with all of my queer family and all of my straight friends they're all forced to sing this lesbian power anthem together right before we leave and i love that uh that they would have to do that together in a in a sort of joyful song of lesbian celebration i love that so as requested a lesbian anthem sing along to send us out chris williamson song of the soul Tiffany Minton, this has been such a delight. Thank you. It has been. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking us through your fantasy funeral. Appreciate it. My Fantasy Funeral is brought to you by We Own This Town. Full versions of the songs chosen today can be heard on our Spotify playlist. Find out more at myfantasyfuneral.show. I'm Ryan Briegel. Thank you for listening. It will heal you and you can feel you and sing out a song of the soul.